Hello, my name is Epic, and this is the Game Reviews Podcast. Hey everybody, I am here to talk to you today about The Division 2, but before we get into that, I want to discuss what this podcast is actually about since it's the first episode. The main point of this podcast is to more or less give uh, non-opinionated reviews of uh, the newest games coming out and to then give my opinions on them. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain what the games are, go over all the different game mechanics, etc., do all that, and then we'll get to the point where I'll share my opinion on certain aspects of the game mechanics. So... Let's go ahead and get right into it. The Division 2. The Division 2 is an arcade-style cover-based loot shooter set in a one-to-one recreation of Washington, D.C. that I've found is actually quite accurate. I've actually seen videos of people who have favorite donut shops in D.C., and they've actually been able to find those donut shops in the game, which is quite cool. The backstory of the game is that a global pandemic killed off thousands of people, causing mass disorder and hysteria across the United States. New York was the first installment of The Division, and obviously the second installment of The Division is set in Washington, D.C., as I mentioned before. So, in the game you play as a Division agent, helping rebuild the remaining civilizations in Washington, D.C. The Division is an organization that is uh, created by the government, and their job is basically to clean up the mess that was uh, made in the left by the pandemic. So, in the Division, you fight against three main factions during the main game. Those three factions are the True Sons, the Hyenas, and the Outcasts. In the end game, you fight the Black Tusk, uh, which is a different faction. You actually have to complete all the strongholds at the end of the game to unlock the Black Tusk. Now, this game is co-op or solo. You can play it either way, and it is possible to beat it solo. And there's a PvP mode, as well as PvPVE modes, which is all very interesting. And it's actually something I've never been exposed to before. So now I'm going to go over some of the mechanics of the game. Uh, The weapons, um, so it is guns, it's not swords or anything like that. So almost all your weapons are guns. And you can have only two weapons in your usable inventory at any time. You can keep other weapons on you, but you're not able to use them. You'd have to switch them out, and you cannot switch them out while you're in combat. The weapons do have a tier system. It, uh, from least to most powerful, the tier system goes worn, standard, specialized, superior, high-end, and exotic. Uh, and then each of those weapons have specific talents. Worn and standard weapons do not have any talents. Specialized weapons have one talent. Superior weapons have two talents. High-end weapons have three talents. And exotic weapons have a random number of completely unique talents. And I probably should have mentioned this before, but the weapon talents are basically weapon perks. Uh, Another aspect of the game is the skills. The skills are basically placeable weapons so they're like traps or turrets or that sort of thing they're not guns but they're essentially weapons they typically do damage so all the skills in the game you have the pulse the turret the hive the chem launcher 
the Firefly, the Seeker Mine, the Drone, and the Shield. All of these different skills have subclasses that I'm not going to go into because that would take a long time. But basically the Pulse will typically reveal enemies and it'll highlight them on your HUD. The Turret will shoot enemies but it can't move. The Hive uh, can do many different things. It's quite versatile but one aspect of the Hive is think of it like a bunch of bees and the bees will go and sting the enemies but it's actually uh, little bombs. The Chem Launcher launches chemicals that do different things. The Firefly is essentially a flash nade. Um, nothing too unique there. The Seeker Mine is basically a mine that you can set down and it will roll towards enemies and explode. The Drone is more or less the same thing as the Turret, but it moves, which is quite convenient. And the Shield is a shield. Not much to explain there. So, this, as I mentioned before, the skills are really more like placeable weapons than anything, uh, but they are really important. You're not going to really be able to beat the game very easily without using your skills, so make sure you try to unlock some good skills right from the beginning. Uh, I also want to go over armor. It uses the same tier system as weapons, um, but I am not sure if uh, armor can have talents or not. So, as far as the shooting mechanics... The game is basically a cover shooter. You have to hide, excuse me, you have to hide behind cover and sh peek out of your cover and shoot. And that's pretty much as far as it goes. If you're not behind cover and you're fighting enemies, you're probably going to die because their guns do a lot of damage. Recoil in the game is not chaotic. It's rather smooth actually with most weapons. And the snipers do wiggle a little and there's actually no hold breath feature to stabilize them which is kind of unfortunate but not a big deal all the guns are hit scan in the division 2 which is makes for easy aiming so now i want to go into some of the different missions and that sort of thing so one of my favorite things to do is control points these are actually quite memorable account encounters they're held in the open world and it's where the enemy is basically set up uh you guessed it a control point so you have if you conquer those control points and you take them over, you can then fast travel to that control point, which is quite convenient. It allows you to get around the map a lot faster. Conquering a control point, uh, in my opinion, decreases the enemy activity in the area. I don't know that for sure, and I haven't seen any other sources confirming it, but that's just something I've noticed. So there is three different types of missions. There's main missions, side missions, and strongholds. The main missions take anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes, side missions take between 10 and 25 minutes, and strongholds will take anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes. The side missions are basically main missions, but they're shorter, so do all the side missions if you enjoy the main missions, because the side missions are basically miniature main missions, and they're quite fun. You can also unlock uh, blueprints for crafting, but we'll get into that later. Strongholds are the missions at the end of the game, and they're held to take down the faction leaders and usually that ends in the faction being disbanded. The faction doesn't go away on the open world, though. Even though you take out the outcast fortress, you're still going to see outcasts out on the street, and you still have to kill them. So open world encounters are actually quite interesting in the Division 2. I should probably uh, specify that it's the Division 2. Anyway, there's constant combat in the open world. You would not believe how many just random people are out there shooting each other, 
and it's between civilians who are the good guys and the factions who are the different uh, bad people that you end up shooting as a division agent. Sometimes there's just random fights, but most of the world events are actually organized, such as they're organized events, such as propaganda broadcasts, public executions, territory control, target practice, hostage rescues, and there's a few other things I forgot about that I'm sure I couldn't remember and I couldn't find a list online. So the bounties are actually an interesting game mechanic. I found that just by doing the main and side missions and taking over all the control points, you won't actually have enough levels to do the second and third strongholds. So I used bounties to get XP and level up. But the bounties are open world missions, similar to the control points, where you kill an elite level enemy and get rewarded with more experience and an open world, and it's in an open world encounter. So nothing too crazy. Essentially, think of it like you're an actual bounty hunter, but you kill them instead of taking them to jail for skipping bail. So crafting and recalibration. This is a mechanic I haven't done much with, but I did some research and I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of it now. The cra to craft a gun or armor or something like that, you need to acquire blueprints, which can be discovered by beating missions, side missions, and completing bounties, which is something I wasn't aware of beforehand. Crafting materials are used to you know, craft armor and weapons, and I'm pretty sure that's all they can really do. They might be able to do mods and that sort of thing as well, but I am not 100% sure. Recalibrating allows you to transfer a talent from one weapon to an armor piece or another. I sort of uh, threw this in with crafting just because it's essentially the same thing. You're still crafting, I guess, a weapon in a way. You're just taking talents from one weapon and moving it to another. Uh, you can also recalibrate armor pieces uh, for the same effect. And then crafting materials can be acquired by killing enemies, dismantling loot, and looting the various lootables in the environment. So... There are these sort of weird things that you don't really pay attention to, but they're there, and they sort of accidentally get completed. They're called projects. The projects are challenges that require specific actions in typically specific areas, and completing them unlocks new bounties and rewards experience. So that's nice, but I would not go out of my way to complete those. The character perks are more or less, more or less what they sound like. Uh, it just upgrades to your character, and they can be purchased from the Quartermaster at the White House. So there is a lot of different character perks, like a ridiculous amount. And somebody on Reddit by the name of C-P-R-E-C-Z-E-W-S-K-K-Y put a lot of them together, and there are so many of them, I don't even want to have to go through them because you guys will be here for the next hour, and I don't want to waste your time. But there is a lot of character perks, the most important ones being the one that unlocks the second weapon slot, the ones that unlock more backpack space so you can carry more weapons around with you, even if you can't use them all at the same time. And there's various other things that are quite convenient, especially weapon mod perks, which ironically are under the category as character perks, but they're really just weapon mods, so I don't know what Ubisoft was thinking with that one. Also, I should probably mention, this game is developed by Ubisoft. So, the Dark Zone is that PvPVE environment that I mentioned earlier. And in the Dark Zones, you can collect abnormally powerful loot. It's disproportionate to the loot you get in the main areas. 
You can complete the missions in the Dark Zone to acquire the loot. So the Dark Zones have specific missions, uh, but the loot you get from those is often contaminated with the virus that caused the pandemic. So what you have to do is you have to put that loot in an extraction zone. You have to basically tie it onto a helicopter, and the helicopter will extract it for you from the Dark Zone. And then the contaminated loot obviously has to be discontaminated. So there is a process there. I'm pretty sure. Um, I don't know exactly how all that works, but it is definitely pretty easy to figure out with a YouTube video or blog post, etc. Loot in the dark zones can be stolen from other players by killing them while in the dark zone. That's the one thing that's unique about the dark zone. It is the only PVE area where you can kill other agents. It's known as going rogue. So you, if some, if enemy agents. I say enemy agents. Technically, they're all with the division with you. They're all supposed to be allies, but if you go rogue, you can kill them and steal their loot from them. So that sort of thing makes the Dark Zone a high-risk, high-reward area. You can get extremely powerful loot, but it might just end up being a waste of time because you might be going to get that loot extracted, and then, bam, some random enemy agent that's gone rogue just kills you, and it's all gone, and you got to go do it again. So you can play the Dark Zone two ways. You can either play, like... I guess a pirate, or you can play uh, the missions and try to get loot that way. If you do decide to play by getting the missions, you should probably know that the enemies in the Dark Zone are extremely powerful, so that makes completing the missions even more difficult and adds extra stress to trying to get the loot extracted. So uh, there is a exclusively PvP mode, it's known as Conflict, and within Conflict there's uh, two different game modes that you can play skirmish and domination there wasn't too much creative thought put into these skirmish is basically a classic tdm or team deathmatch there's not much else to it domination is a standard capture the point mode nothing too unique there i tried to queue up for these once and it looks like they're not very popular which kind of makes sense because they're not very unique and the shooting mechanics of the division wouldn't really work great for multiplayer in my opinion but some people might be into it so in the end game, there are end game specializations. Once you hit level 30, or once your agent hits level 30, you can choose one of these three specializations. You have survivalists, demolitionists, and sharpshooters. The survivalists use a crossbow as their primary weapon, and they fight with traps and status effects. The survivalists. Oh, wait, I just mentioned the survivalists. <laughs> My bad. The Demolitionists use a grenade launcher, similar to elite enemies that you'll fight throughout the game. And Sharpshooters use a powerful sniper rifle, and they're basically just snipers. There's nothing too unique about them. I made a point to put down podcast notes on enemies, but I apparently forgot to do it. So I'm just going to do it from memory. There's basic enemies. They'll have red health bars. Uh, they don't really have much armor. If they do have any armor, it can be broken extremely easily. They're the most basic level of enemy, and they're easy to shoot and kill. I guess you could call them a tier 1 enemy. The two, tier 2 enemies have purple health bars, and they have white armor bars above that purple health bar. Once you break their armor, they're basically the same thing as a red enemy, but you have to break the armor first, which takes almost twice as many bullets as just killing a red enemy. And that's just to break the armor. You still have to kill the, the tier 2 enemy afterwards. And then there's the elite enemies. They have yellow health bars and ridiculous amounts of armor. 
Uh, some of them you can sit and unload, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten AK clips into them, and they still, you might be halfway through their armor. So a lot of them are real bullet sponges, so it's important to have appropriately leveled gear to get through a lot of the main missions, because most of the main missions end with elite bosses. I say bosses, they're elite enemies, but, you know. the Those elite enemies are actually the same enemies that I mentioned that have the grenade launchers that the demolitionists in the endgame get to use. So there is going to be some in-game content that's actually going to be completely free. For an entire year, there's going to be three episodes, I guess you could say. The first episode is going to be DC Outskirts Expeditions. The second episode will be the Pentagon, the Last Castle. And they're also going to add a raid, which is going to be, the, according to the Ubisoft website, will be the first eight-player raid in the history of The Division 2 and will arrive with the launch of Operation Dark Hours. I don't really understand what their Dark Hours is, because they don't mention it. So that's not one of the episodes, but hopefully the raid will be fun <laughs> whenever that comes out. So I'd recommend following the developer feeds to uh, see that. Also, they're going to be adding new specializations, uh, three new specializations, and they'll each have their new ugh, they'll each have their new unique signature weapons and their skill trees to unlock and master them. And they basically also make a point to say that they're going to be constantly adding stuff to the game. I read on their patch notes they intend to make weekly patches and updates, so hopefully they will keep up with that and it'll be great. So. The last thing I want to talk about is clans. Uh, there is clans in the Division 2. I wouldn't worry about them too much. They're very basic. There's very really little you can do with them. If you want to have a, be in a clan with your group or your group of friends or whatever just to say you're all in a clan, then that's cool. Uh, but just know your clan is limited to 50 players. Other than that, there's nothing too unique there. So now that I've basically gone through everything... I want to go ahead and give my opinions on The Division 2, and just to preface everything and go and just start us all off, The Division 2 is the only loot shooter I've ever played that I've enjoyed this much. It's absolutely phenomenal. The content is great, and you really do get a... The killing enemies is satisfying. They might be bullet sponges, but when you finally get them to die, it's just as gratifying as the first time you did it. So... As far as the setup of the game where it's agents in DC and that sort of thing, I love it. I love it because not so much the whole post-apocalyptic thing, because I think that's an overused gaming trope at this point, but the fact that it's in a one-to-one -one version of Washington, DC is absolutely phenomenal to me. And you get to do all these crazy things like steal the Declaration of Independence and that sort of thing, and that's great. I absolutely love it. So... As far as game setup and game story and lore and that sort of thing, Division 2 is great. I like it. The game mechanics are honestly not my favorite. I don't like having all the different crazy perks and weapon mods and all that stuff. That that It's too much to learn. Sometimes I just want to you know open up a game and shoot stuff. I don't want to have to grind for loot and that sort of thing. But that's what type of the game this is. Sure, it might not be up my alley, but I'm sure it's up just about everybody else's. Uh, as far as the actual shooting mechanics themselves, I don't like that much either, but I also play a lot of Counter-Strike, so the recoil in this just feels like it's sort of just wiggling around randomly, which kind of bothers me a little bit, but again, that's really how it should be. Counter-Strike is not a very good 
example of shooting mechanics. But it's, I guess, I guess the best way to say it is I like it, but I'm not used to it. So the control points, those missions are honestly my favorite thing to do. I love the control points because it's completely in the open world. It's clean. Oftentimes there will be a minigun when you take over the control point because the enemies come in two waves where you take it over and then they try to take it back. And using the minigun just lasering through people is the funnest experience that i probably had in this game it's hilarious i love just watching (laughs) because the way it sounds is hysterical too like the minigun is amazing anyway uh, i love the control points very entertaining bit of the game the missions are great the content in the missions is great you'll have moments where a boss will come out and it'll come out and it'll just be entire explosions behind this guy and you're like oh my god there's no way i can kill this dude and it, they really do achieve that effect and they don't do it by making you know the enemies bigger or whatever they're the same size as all the normal dudes i mean they're a little chunkier because all the armor but that's about it so i really do love the missions the open world encounters eh not a huge fan. I kind of use them to grind experience when I want. I like that it's an active world around me, but the encounters themselves aren't very fun to play. So usually I end up just trying to get around them instead of actually trying to help fellow civilians out. The bounties are a great way to sort of grind XP, get a guaranteed elite enemy, that sort of thing. Uh, nobody grinds them for loot. Everybody grinds the strongholds for loot. So I don't really know what the point of the bounties is other than getting you XP when you're trying to go through the main missions. I think it's really just to give you a sense of you helping out in the actual open world. Uh, so not my favorite activity, but I appreciate them being there so I can get more XP. The crafting and recalibration is honestly, I hate crafting and recalibration. Um, I hate crafting mechanics in every game. But that's just me. I know there's tons of people that do. And from what I've seen with the Division, the crafting is done really well. So no worries with that. The projects, I completely ignored these. I have most of them done, but I didn't do them intentionally. They just kind of got themselves done as I played through the game. So that's kind of cool. But I really don't care about the projects at all. The character perks, super easy to unlock. Probably a third of the way through the game, I stopped even bothering getting the Shade Tech caches just because I had almost maxed out my character. And when I hit level 30, I had plenty of Shade Tech to go ahead and unlock the rest of the perks. I just realized I didn't explain Shade Tech, so I'm going to go ahead and do that real quick. Shade Tech caches and Shade Tech. Shade Tech is basically used to upgrade your skills upgrade your character perks and that's about it um so once you basically max yourself out there's no there's not even any real point for the shade caches and that sort of thing so yeah about a third of third of the way through the game you'll probably be good on shade tech um so the dark zone i unlocked all the dark zones i haven't done actually done any missions with uh other players in them but I don't have a huge... I'm not a huge fan of the Dark Zone. It's probably the best way to put it. I don't like it too much. It's kind of dark and weird and... I don't know. Just just doesn't appeal to me very much. Um, it's more because of the level design and the sound design than anything. It feels more like the main areas. I'd like it more. From what I can tell, though, just about everybody loves the Dark Zone. And I know for a fact if I was able to play it with friends, if I actually had friends that played the Division, it would be great. It would be phenomenal. I would absolutely uh, recommend it. So yeah, Dark Zone's pretty cool. Um, Just not my cup of tea. 
The conflict PvP modes, I think, would be my cup of tea. They're pretty cool. Uh, I've watched videos of other people playing them, but I've never had the pleasure of doing it myself because nobody ever joins them. So I sat in a queue for like three or four minutes and nobody else joined that queue, so I ended up leaving. Uh, nothing else to really report there. I didn't really get the chance to play it myself, but it looks looks cool. I wouldn't you know, do it over a different game that was designed for combat uh, against other players, but nothing wrong with it. The end game specialization, uh, from what I can tell, the coolest thing about it is really when you unlock your uh, new weapon, since the weapons themselves are really unique. Um, obviously the sniper rifle really isn't, but it does so much damage that it's kind of ridiculous. But uh, Demolitionist is probably the coolest one in my opinion, just because you get a weapon that the elite enemies you've been fighting the whole game have had. So... I think that's pretty cool. You can basically just shoot a grenade launcher at a bunch of guys, especially with the way the great grenade mechanics work. You, you throw a grenade and it like sticks to the ground. It's kind of hilarious, but yeah. Uh, so as far as content and community, I think it's a great decision by the division uh, two team to make the three episodes in the first year free. That's the way it should be in the first place. Anyway, having to buy parts of a game that you already bought is ridiculous in my opinion and in the opinion of most people who play video games. Um, adding extra specializations. I'm sort of mad about it. One thing I'm really excited for though, is the eight man raid. And one thing I hope is that you can random queue for the eight man raid. I don't want to have to, you know, find other people. I want to be able to just randomly join it and then do it with seven other people. So hopefully that's a thing. And then I guess the last bit was the three new episodes. And as long as the three new episodes are as good as the main missions, I'm going to be excited to come back and keep playing them. The clan system, I, <laughs> I'm completely ignoring it. I don't, I don't use it. I don't care about it. And if the eight-man raid mission requires me to have a team of seven other players, I'm probably going to join a clan and then annoy them all until they do it with me. So that's all I have for you all on The Division 2. And I probably won't do another podcast until another big game that I decide to actually play comes out just because I'm kind of running out of money in my PayPal and... I have no way to really get it back. So, uh, till then, until a new game comes out, I guess this will be goodbye. Real quick, though, if you wanna, if you want any more of me, which I can't imagine why you would, but if you do, uh, you can send me an email about this podcast at gamereviewspodcast at gmail.com, or you can find my YouTube channel, which is literally E-P-O-C-H with a capital E, or follow me on Instagram, which is eposh.ig. Anyway, hope you guys all enjoy this podcast, and I will—I uh, won't see you all. I guess I'll talk to you all later. Bye.